Hey folks, quick content note. Uh, some of the touchier things we're going to talk about in this episode include childhood sexuality and daddy dom little girl roleplay. So if that's tough for you, feel free to skip this one. Dildorks, dorky discourse on sex, dating, and masturbating. My name is Kate Sloan. I'm a sex journalist, a sex blogger, and I have this running joke with my partner where we'll just like take a random word and add the word play to it, and then it makes it into a kink. Um, so, I love that. yeah, so like what's collarbone play? Or like, you know, like what's like what's rooftop play? Just like any any word, it makes it invariably hilarious and interesting. <laughs> oh, collarbone play is either. Like, really sensual and tickly or horrifying. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> like, I don't... There are only a few options there, and some of them make me extremely uncomfortable. <laughs> yeah, I know. I don't want to think about it anymore. Who are you, <laughs> I'm Bex. I'm a uh, sex educator, a sex blogger, and when we started recording this episode and you sat in silence for a second there, I was like, huh... What's she thinking about? I wonder what... And then you started talking, and I was like, oh, she's prepping for that thing we do every single fucking time for nearly 200 episodes of this show. And I'm still not taking this time to do that, and now I'm here. Yeah. Yeah, this has just been a a continuous thing for us, is I'll take a moment to think about what I'm going to say, and then you get worried that I've, I don't know, descended into some kind of silent depression. (laughs) <laughs> I'm like we're well, like we counted down, and then you just sat for a second, and I was like, okay, what 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 we do next? <laughs> <laughs> Don't worry, I, got I this. just it was too many steps ahead of me. Yeah, it was, and you just started talking, and my brain just went, oh no. <laughs> <laughs> well, I was also thinking about how uh, uh, my partner asked me yesterday what we were gonna do the episode on, and I said kink as play. And they mm-hmm. said, did you say kink ass play? And I was like, well, not no, but. <laughs> oh, that just reminds me of like the people you meet and you identify as kinky and they go me too. And you get all excited and then you go like, what kind of stuff? And they're like, butt stuff. And you're <laughs> like, you and I have different definitions of that word, my friend. <laughs> like yeah. I'm the person that keeps for that keeps forgetting fisting isn't vanilla I'm like that's just sex i don't know yeah i mean definitely butt stuff can be kinky but like my brain would go to like am i being uh you know erotically humiliated for liking butt right. stuff are we using something that has capsaicin on it like you know yeah <laughs> yeah like is it like absurdly large are we talking like are you wearing things in public like yeah. there are definitely ways butt stuff like very quickly can become kinky. Mm -hmm. But I've also met people for which that is the finish line of the kink conversation, not the beginning. And those people are not people that I am compatible with. (laughs) (laughs) I've been uh, re-watching the American Pie films, which I was thinking, like, maybe we should do, like, some kind of, like, watch-along with our our listeners at some point, because it really is, like, kind of a formative and very strange... Uh, series as far as sexuality, but there's a yeah. part where um, Allison Hannigan shoves a trombone in Jason Biggs's ass, um, and then in the next Amazing. scene, someone is playing that trombone, and it's just like the silliest possible joke. <laughs> I don't. <laughs> I have definitely seen that movie at least once, and I do not remember that. Um, it's in the second one, love, which is yeah. actually pretty great as far as sequels go. One of my favorite pastimes is going back to things I have watched a decade or more ago. Yeah. And re-watching them as totally different experiences. Because I realize you don't remember any of the content of it. You just remember how it made you feel, and I'm a very different person. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I tried to revisit the film The Hot Chick, which I used to love and think was very funny, and it's, like, exceedingly transphobic and racist. Yeah. Uh, And that kind of makes sense, given that I think Rob Schneider is a Republican now. (laughs) So that's pretty strange. Well. What has happened to the world? (laughs) 
Anyway, let's talk about anyway. King's play. Yeah, we're here. <laughs> we're here because I'm having weird abstract thoughts because I've been stuck in the house too long. I'm. I've just always have these thoughts. I can't even justify it that way. I can't yeah. blame quarantine. There's just, just more like space and time for them to come up and yeah and grow. I, yeah, I understand that definitely. But well, so I've been thinking a lot about uh, how it's super common for us to call uh, the thing that that thing that we do play, mm-hmm. right? You know, invite someone. Do you want to play? Or I'm going to go to a play party or whatever. But I don't think we talk a lot about how it genuinely functions as play for us in the same mm-hmm. way like play functions for children and is good for the human animal as a species mm-hmm. um and i'm i know you and i have definitely talked about that a bit and and for sure i've talked about it on the show but i'm curious if you could talk a little bit about the ways that sex and kink does feel like play to you and why you find it helpful to think of it that way Yeah, I mean, when I think about childhood play, I think about recess immediately, Mm -hmm. which is like a period of time in the day where you set aside kind of like the more serious considerations of your life at that time, which are like learning. Mm -hmm. Um, And then you get to like let off all this extra energy by like having fun with your friends. Or I mean, if you were a dorky kid like me, maybe you just like sit on the steps (laughs) of the school playing a Pokemon game by yourself. Um, or reading a book that you picked out, not the teacher. <laughs> yeah, that's fun shit. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. But, like, the point is to kind of, like, switch gears, right? And to do something mm-hmm. that feels relieving of some kind of pressure uh, and that enables you to do what you want to do and explore things. And in many ways, like, I feel like sex and kink have become one of the main ways that I do that as an adult. Because, like, I'm not a very physically active person. I'm not, like, going jogging. Uh, I'm not playing sports, that kind of thing. Um, when it, well, I mean, in large part because I have chronic pain, but, like, also just because mm-hmm. that's not the type of person that I am. Um, yeah. So, like, at the end of a busy day, when I've, like, done all my work and I'm trying to, like, relax and release stress, like, there's several things I could do. I could, like, watch some stuff on Netflix or YouTube. I could, like, read a book. But also I could fuck because, like, that is a time when I'm pretty much only thinking about what I'm doing, like, especially Mm -hmm. if I've been able to work through some of my anxieties and stressors, like we were talking about in the stress sex episode. Um, And I'm very focused on what's happening. And I'm very focused on like, what's fun about it and what's pleasurable about it. And Mm -hmm. it's just like a way to, to like release tension and stress and worries and focus on fun things in a way that really reminds me of recess. And maybe that would be super weird for me to say to my childhood self as she's just like chilling <laughs> at recess but yeah what do you think yeah no i i super agree and i think something that's interesting about what you mentioned is that like you're talking about you want to get home and relax at the end of like a stressful day or whatever and the two other things you suggested were like watching something on netflix or reading a book and the mm-hmm. ways in which i feel like those are different from sex and from what we're talking about about this like recess relaxation time is that sex encourages is more physical and brings you into your body yeah. in a way that like you talked about you don't always have access to because chronic pain things mm-hmm. uh, and sex can be an accessible way to do that right most bodies can experience pleasure in some way mm-hmm. um, regardless of what that looks like and though not always, often sex is also social um, and connective in a way some of those things aren't. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think that's very valuable and there aren't a ton of those things that we have for adults yeah uh that that sit in those intersections and and i find that a lot of those things that do right you think of things like uh board games or video games or larping or um improv yeah improv stuff it it's looked at as like childish yeah. or um <laughs> You know, even, like, non-professional sports, like the guy on, you know, his local softball team or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think, notice how little I know about sports. I'm like, uh, s- sport word. Ball? <laughs> there are definitely people gather, or used to, I believe. Um, and I think, and even those things, like, these areas for people to be really, like, physical and expressive and 
you know, gather as a community are all kind of looked on as childish or, or imaginative. That's a big part of that for me. Yeah, um, I was going to say, like, because you brought up, like, body-based uh, activities and social activities, and I do think that those are big components of play. But, like, when you were talking about how, like, those qualities are missing from, like, reading something or watching something, I was also thinking about what's missing from those activities as well as, like, creativity, which is a big part of play. Like, you know, you can be creative as you're consuming media. Like, maybe you're thinking about where you want the plot to go next, or maybe you're thinking about the fan fiction you want to write or whatever. But Mm. um, these things that are more leaning toward what we're describing as play do have a creative component, and they do feel like you're, you're making something in real time. Uh, like an improv scene or like a kink scene. Uh, And I think like creative collaboration with another person is like a really fun thing regardless of what age you are. Yeah, and I think another thing that was coming up for me a lot in thinking about this is that it is a space that encourages you to care deeply and think critically and creatively about something Mm -hmm. that doesn't matter. (laughs) That's that, like, fully doesn't yeah. matter. Like, I can get very invested in a video game, mm-hmm. and it's, like, I mean, outside of super extenuating circumstances, obviously, not going to have an impact on my life. Mm-hmm. Like, I can care very <laughs> deeply about the about what happens. I can spe- put a lot of thoughtful energy into a thing, and you know what? If I fuck it up, I'll do it again. Yeah. Like, I'll get a little <laughs> frustrated, and I'll try again. And mm-hmm. we don't have a ton of space for that as adults most of the things we get to think creatively and critically about are like problem solving in our job where you fuck up and someone's gonna come down on you right Mm -hmm. um or like if you're a parent you probably have to think spend a lot of time i mean you definitely have to spend a lot of time doing that but like the stakes are a lot higher. Mm-hmm. You know, if you're a low-income person, you're thinking critically about your money all day, every day. Yeah. Um, so I think I, I was fe- feeling really drawn to this little window that is created by play, and I very much experience in kink, where it's like, yeah, get into the minutiae or don't. Like, think about this in whatever way feels fun and interesting and creative and engaging for mm-hmm. your brain. Yeah, I think what's important to point out there, though, is, like, uh, there are lots of situations in which, like, kink scenes and uh, sex encounters, like, could fuck things up in your, in your like, quote-unquote mm. real life, um, especially if you're, like, not respecting consent or whatever in those encounters. But right. I think, like, when you have a relationship that feels stable and where both people or all people are, you know, paying attention to each other and respecting each other and... Um, you know, communicating well, then it does create that space of like, yeah, more or less, uh, not very many like repercussions, unless they're ones that have been negotiated. Uh, and hopefully, you're yeah. not going to like offend someone if you say something that they negotiated for you to say to them in the humiliation scene or whatever it is. Yeah. And, and to clarify there, I think like, for me, the thinking critically happens outside of the play right? Mm -hmm. You go into it and you have all of those negotiations and you build this playground Mm -hmm. where you get to uh, play within whatever rules you created for yourself to keep yourself safe Mm -hmm. Um, and and access that playful space where, you know, we're doing what we're doing, which is also what I love about, like, tabletop role-playing games and, like, story-building stuff, right? Where you're like, these are the confines you're going to live within because they keep us safe and they keep us getting along, keep things fair, all of that. But also, those are part of what make you think critically, mm-hmm. right? The, you know, the boundaries are what you get to, you know, your little obstacles you get to work around and figure out, yeah. you know, how to find a thing that is super fun for everyone. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm curious if you have any thoughts on just bringing us back to how, like, we tend to associate these ideas of play with, um, like, childishness or children, which is, I think, part of why people find, like, balk first at the idea of us describing sex as grown-up play, because they're like, ooh, those are conflicting ideas. Um, And I'm curious why why you think our culture uh, kind of makes that association or assumes it's something that humans grow out of rather than needing their whole life. 
Oh my god, I have so many thoughts on this. One of my big thoughts on this is like, I always think it's super weird when people act like children don't have a sexuality. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and that's very uncomfortable to say and to talk about in our culture. Uh, mm-hmm. And certainly, I, I'm not saying that they have a sexuality that resembles an adult sexuality or that allows them to consent with to sex with adults. Like, absolutely not. Mm-hmm. Um, but... I think like I was definitely a kid who had a sexuality and had sexual thoughts and fantasies and um, mm-hmm. and like solo sex experiences. And so like to, to say that those things are like completely worlds apart, I think is disingenuous. I understand why people make that simplification. Um, it's for good reasons. But uh, I do think it does a disservice to the education that we do give children, though. Yes. Like that, I, I do say that is one uh, very tangible problem with them. <laughs> yeah. But to answer your actual yeah. question, um, I think honestly it has a lot to do with capitalism, and that's a very yes. like leftist yes. queer thing for me to say. But like the idea is, when you get to a certain age, you put away your childish things, you like get a degree or whatever, or you go into the workforce or whatever you're doing, um, and you're supposed to uh, basically work yourself so hard that you don't have time or energy. Mm-hmm to play in the way that we're describing and uh if i was gonna like get real marxist about it i might say that if you like destroy people's ability to play that you also destroy their ability to imagine new futures for themselves or to relax and unwind so that they can organize and shit like that Mm -hmm. like i really think this is very real and um I think, like, you see this in the ways that uh, leftist movements and, like, abolitionist movements and stuff are often compared to, like, hippies or, or even, like, children. Like, like they're painted as these sort of, like, uh, youthful idealists in their, in their mm-hmm. attitudes and their ideas and um, in this, like, infantilizing way because we do connect, um, like, play to childishness and we connect work to adulthood and like i think it fucks up everybody across the board Mm -hmm. so i'm gonna i'm gonna confess to you this question was an anti-capitalist setup so thank you (laughs) okay i'm glad Um, i I solved your marxist puzzle (laughs) yeah you were this was uh i i just lobbed that softball right over there um but also (laughs) This actually, this ties into uh, a class I've been taking recently, um, because again, this, this is all stuff I've been having big thoughts about in mm-hmm. quarantine, um, and I'm taking a class on uh, philosophy of the cognitive sciences, Ooh, uh, cool. or something along those lines. Yeah, it's super cool. Uh, but recently, they were talking about how the parts of our brain, the parts of our brain that like engage with and observe the outside world and the parts of our brain that reflect, remember, and predict futures are two very different parts of our brain. And mm-hmm. if you're putting energy towards one, it's directly pulling energy from the other. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think play often lives very much in that place of remembering and imagining and, and you know, thinking creatively of the future. Mm-hmm. Um, and I find that our culture's pushes us to spend a lot of the time in constantly reacting and doesn't give us time to think creatively and come up with, you know, bigger and broader solutions. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Go ahead. Yeah. That, that reminds me of um, some lessons I learned in journalism school. Like they were very big on having us not only read a lot of news, but like think critically about the news that we were reading, which like mm-hmm. at the time, you know, I was a university student. I was like, yeah, whatever. Like I do that already. But like often we don't like I, and mm-hmm. I think it's important, even if you just do it by like texting a friend to like articulate your thoughts on current events or on something you're consuming or whatever, like it actually does lead to deeper insights than if you just like think about it for a quick second after you're done watching whatever you're watching Mm -hmm. um and i i agree with you it probably has to do with like the way the brain is organized and you're also just giving yourself time to think about it Mm -hmm. which is not a thing we do uh look at your schedule like right if you're a virgo like me or a polyamorous (laughs) person like look at your google (laughs) calendar uh how many blocks on that calendar are for thinking about something or mm-hmm. planning something because mm-hmm. we just make time to do things, uh, which is something I've encountered, which is something I've noticed in myself a lot with my ADHD mm-hmm. is that, ah, I need to plan planning times. Yeah. Um, 
And, like, it is certainly something I need to do more of, but it is not something that is exclusive to my brain. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> and uh, an analogy I was thinking about recently is I am a person who really enjoys rewatching shows. And mm-hmm. I know we have nerds out there who I am sure have done the same thing. You know how you see more the second and the third time and the fourth time? Yeah. It's because you have now spent a second, third, or fourth hour thinking about that. Right. I spent too um, much time to... thinking about the trumpet in Jason Biggs's ass. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, absolutely. But um, it, And you're not, you know, the first time you process information, your brain is doing very something very different from the second, third, and fourth time it processes that information. Yeah. Um, and we're off on a tangent now, but I feel like play <laughs> very much is is creating that thoughtful, creative space in which you're going to problem solve in new ways that you do bring back to your life. Like, first of all, play does not have to be productive or valuable to be, you know, it can just be fun. Yeah. Like, some experiencing joy by doing something is reason enough to do it, full stop. And... Uh, I think it's genuinely good for your brain, and it opens up new and interesting pathways and gives you new opportunities to come up with ideas in low-stakes situations that you can then become familiar with and apply in higher-stakes situations. Yes. Yeah, very much agreed. I was thinking about how, like, uh, we think of childhood play. Like, one thing I appreciate about that as a construct is, like, it allows for repetition of certain situations that you're interested Mm -hmm. in. So, like, if you're playing a house even if you're playing it with the same group of people, like it can go different ways every time, or you can even like play out the same thing every time. Like I definitely used Mm -hmm. to do that kind of thing with my friends. And like, I enjoy that also about sex and kink is that like, uh, as a Taurus, I, I have my fave things that I like return to. Um, I am very into, uh, stability and routine. Um, but I think like kink and sex also allow you to set up situations in which you can explore like little differences here and there, um, mm-hmm. as well as just doing like fully new things. Um, and I think that that's nice. I, I, I've never really understood people who are like, I already did that. I don't need to do that again. Like whether we're talking about sex or like pretty much any other thing in life, I'm like, well, like, why not though? Like you can learn yeah. a lot by redoing it. And also it can be comforting to redo a thing that you've done. Yeah. And I think one of the other things I'm finding interesting in this conversation is that if you talk to people, I don't think many people would argue with you that uh, play is an important part of learning for children, mm-hmm. right? Um, that they are learning how to interact socially. They are learning things about teamwork and cooperation and, you know, all all kind like, important skills in society, even in, like, playing house and things like that. Mm-hmm. And I find it interesting that we don't extend that concept or thought into adulthood. Mm-hmm. Uh, that not only do we feel like uh, you don't have time for leisure or things that feel good that are not directly contributing something to the world or being productive in some way, mm-hmm. uh, but that we also pretty much figure you're done learning. Unless you're professionally an academic, in which case it is part of your job to continue learning yeah, um, in whatever field you're in. Um, and you do that, you know, people will look at you like, oh, of course you're going back to school to get more money. You know, you'll make more money with those yeah. extra degrees or whatever. Um, <laughs> but we don't, we don't really, I, I think it's interesting that we figure, yeah, you're like 25, you're done. You know, there's not a ton left to learn in the world. Yeah. Like... <laughs> I mean, this is why I really unironically recommend that anyone who is at all drawn to the idea of taking an improv class and is able to take one should do so. Because uh, I honestly feel like learning improv taught me more about how to listen to people than even like journalism school, like, you know, interviewing mm-hmm. types of classes. Um, because in improv, like, you have to listen so hard in order to figure out like what you're going to say next and how you're going to build on what the person has said. And, uh, like engaging that part of your brain in like on stage or whatever, um, makes it much easier to engage that part of your brain elsewhere in life. Uh, Mm -hmm. and, and I think like there's a lot of opportunities in play for us to learn skills that, that would help us in the capitalist rat race, but that we insist are not worth spending time learning. 
Mm-hmm. And, and what feels particularly relevant with improv is that, like, I was talking about how play is relatively low stakes. Mm-hmm. Like, improv can feel extremely high stakes. You know, on stage, there can be a ton of pressure and it can allow you to, it can give you opportunities to try on that scary, stressed out uh, feeling mm-hmm. in a way that, yeah, the word, you know, it, it could go horribly wrong and you might be very embarrassed. Mm-hmm. But again, you, you're not going to not eat that week, probably. <laughs> um, <laughs> you know, in a way that might happen if you play around with an extremely high stress budget situation or whatever. Yeah, I mean, unless you're a um, professional improviser, in which case, yes, that that can happen. <laughs> Absolutely, but in which Dark case, humor. I would argue you're not playing anymore. That's true. Uh, yeah. Which is, I think, a thing that is very, very common yeah. in uh, just society at large. Yeah. Um, um, when you were talking about some of the skills that kids pick up from playing, like one of the main ones that I think of is empathy. Uh, mm-hmm. And I, I took like mm-hmm. a children's literature class in school where they talked a lot about like the studies that show that like people who read fiction are apparently more empathetic because uh, it is a thing that uh, makes you uh, think about how various other people are thinking because um, you kind of need to understand what's going on in the characters' heads in order to like understand the the narrative. And I think like play functions very similarly where like whether you're doing an adult improv scene or you're playing house as a kid, you you will probably have a better result if you are spending some time thinking in the moment about like how is this other person receiving what I'm saying or like what do they Mm -hmm. need or want me to do right now and I think kink and sex give you a lot of those same skills as well and also benefit from those skills yeah and I, I would honestly add to that that not only does it allow you to like think critically about the people you're engaging with it allows you to engage as different people often yeah yeah uh through either make believe or kink right um and while, again, it may not be super high stakes, right? You may not actually be in danger in a kink scene. Mm-hmm. Uh, we can create an environment in which you can experience that emotion, which is an interesting thing to see your body go through. And it may not feel, you know, exactly the same if something horrible happens to you in the future, but it does give you context for what fear feels like in your body in in a new way. Um And I think it was something I actually wanted to address uh, because I think people talk a lot about, you know, I I think if people heard we were talking about sex as play, they're going to think we're talking specifically about giggly, silly, funny, playful games and scenes, Yeah, which, like, y'all know you and I love. Like, that's not, um, (laughs) we're not averse to those at all, but I don't think it exclusively has to look quote unquote playful to mm-hmm. function as play. Yes, I agree. Uh, I think fear play as you were discussing is a really yeah. great example because like, as we talked about before, people like going to see horror movies. People like mm-hmm. riding roller coasters, even if in the moment you're like scared shitless, like, uh, you know, there are people giggling during those experiences. I sometimes respond to fear by giggling, but like, there are also yeah. people who are just like stone faced terrified. And then you'll ask them if they enjoyed it after. And they're like, Oh yeah, for sure. It was, it was super scary. Um, and I think like in the same way that we can say that pain is just a strong sensation and you can recontextualize it to like, not seem like an inherently bad thing. Like we can say that feelings like fear are not inherently, bad um they're just Mm -hmm. sensations they're just emotions and so like you know i've had scenes where i was a little girl and i was being uh like either scolded or praised and it's not necessarily that i was giggling i just like had the internal feeling of like receiving that discipline and that Mm -hmm. was like uh a playful space for me because i'm putting myself in a mental zone that i don't you know occupy in my day-to-day adult life um, mm-hmm. I think like playing pretend play is right in the name, uh, and games of pretend both like as an adult and as a kid do not have to be funny, giggly comedy games. Like you can mm-hmm. play pretend as a vast variety of different, like evil or terrifying or serious creatures and people. And, mm-hmm. uh, it's, it's still imaginative. It's still a creative exercise. Yeah. I remember I did a lot of superhero and villain 
uh, make believe when I was little. Were people yeah. in bondage? <laughs> not, not often. <laughs> um, we did a lot of Batman, so. Mm. Um, I was but, about to, this is how much I'm not involved in nerd culture. I was about to be like, but did you tie people up with your spider webs though? And then I was like, fuck no, that's Spider-Man. Never mind. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, my, my neighbor at the time really liked playing as the Riddler because it was like the nineties Batman movies mm-hmm. that we were super into. Yeah. I, unclear if he's come out since then. Cause I don't know him, but <laughs> boy needs to. Um, anyway, different conversation. Um, but I remember like a, a big piece of that is the fun of getting to like the struggle and the fight of it and getting to like overcome the bad guys and outsmart each other. Mm-hmm. And a ton of that is what I get out of kink, right? Mm-hmm. That same kind of, uh, you know, feeling of triumph, of conquering, of enduring a thing. Yeah. Um, yeah, and I, I feel like those are satisfying feelings, and I don't really understand why it's not super common practice to want to just create those feelings in ourselves for the sake of having them. Yeah, I mean, I think it it is a lot of the reason why media consumption is such a huge central part of our culture, like, mm-hmm. especially since the dawn of, like, Netflix and stuff. Like, everybody's talking about media all the time uh, in a way that, like, maybe has been around for a long time. But I do think it, it has a lot to do with the, the lack of play afforded to adults uh, mm. in our culture, because, like, that's a space where you can relax and have fun and not think about your real life um, and experience a range of emotions that have nothing to do with your real life and then move on. One thing I think is really interesting uh, that I was thinking as you were saying that is that uh, it's considerably less vulnerable to just consume something that will give you those emotions than to create (laughs) an experience for yourself and actively seek those feelings out and find the buttons that create them in you you know what i mean right like so imagine like a 40 something woman who goes to see 50 shades of gray with her friends and she's like oh i just gotta check it out everybody's talking about it but secretly in her heart she's like intrigued by it sexually on some level And, and so she has that space to like giggle at it with her friends and like enjoy the feelings she's feeling without having to be like but i'm kinky though (laughs) (laughs) yeah no for sure and even like i don't know the difference between someone who like or the difference between i'm not even gonna say someone who right because the same person can experience these two experiences Mm -hmm. um and can need them differently in different times i'm not saying the more vulnerable option is the better option because it is you are the tough guy who endured it uh and that is more a reminder for myself than any of you but it's also there for y'all who need to hear it yeah um because sometimes (laughs) the more vulnerable option may not feel accessible however Um, the difference between sitting and watching, like, The Notebook or whatever movie you know will make you cry, Mm -hmm. um, and planning a scene that will allow you to access your, like, sad, scared vulnerabilities about a thing Mm -hmm. and will make you cry and will have someone there to hold you and pick you up and put you back together after. Um, those are going to be two very different experiences, and I'm not trying to say they're interchangeable, but I am trying to say there's a space for either, for both of them or there at least there should be mm-hmm. as valuable in the human experience yeah and I think like one can be a progression to the other it doesn't always mm-hmm. have to be but like when I'm interested in a new kink um often I will try to consume some kind of media about it whether it's like very directly kinky like a series on kink academy or just like a film that happens to have it in it mm-hmm. um to kind of like you know feel through what those things feel like for me and feel like whether that's something I'm interested in and it is it's less scary than uh than coming right out and being like I want you to flog me until I cry because I'm vaguely curious about what that would be like <laughs> like it's yeah. good to take some baby steps first yeah, for sure. I've been I've been realizing a lot lately how often uh, watching a thing, um, often I crave what I think of as like more mindless media, mm-hmm. and uh, it's media that I can have on while I can just think about a similar or related topic. 
Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, I maybe I don't want to watch a food show right now. Maybe I just want to, like, think about food and, like, the kind of food I like to make and, like, what I might make next week. Oh, and, my like, brain oh, went in such a different food. direction. No, uh, and there, yeah, no, absolutely. There are so many ways. I, when you said that, I was immediately reminded of the last time that I rewatched the movie Frozen. I think it was probably, like, mm-hmm. my third or fourth time watching the first Frozen movie. And for some reason, the last time I watched it, I was so struck by the way that Elsa's uh, condition reminded me of depression, like the way that it Mm. um, makes you feel like you have to push people away sometimes. And um, Mm -hmm. just like there, I saw a lot of parallels and I just started weeping while watching this movie in a way that like I had never had that reaction to it in quite this way before. Uh, So yeah, I totally get what you're saying. Yeah, I know I've mentioned Dirk Gently on this show before, um, but it is just a show I go to a lot when the world feels chaotic, mm-hmm. partially because it is a very chaotic show, um, mm-hmm. and it requires a ton more attention than a lot of shows to be able to track all of it, mm-hmm. um, so it, it will consume all of that, but also... I have had so many different interpretations of that show based on, like, the way things are going in my life at that time. Mm -hmm. Um, And there are definitely that and tons of other pieces of media that I go to almost the way people can go to tarot cards, right? Like, how can I think of these broad stories through the lens of my life? And and what, what comes to mind in my brain in the state as it is now? Mm-hmm. Um, when I go through this kind of particular thought process or game. Yeah. I, I want to go back and ask you about something we yeah. were talking about earlier, about, like, games that you play as a kid and how they could maybe, like, portend something about your adult sexuality. Because, like, I feel mm-hmm. like it goes both ways. Like, I had a friend when I was a kid who was really into, like, kind of damsel in distress types of games, and she would always want to be, like, tie it up or pretend to be tied up and, like, be, you know, kidnapped and then rescued. And then, like, she did grow up to be a submissive woman who's into bondage. And I know of, like, similar stories, but then, like, also... I had a weird thing when I was a kid where I was really intrigued by the notion of itching and scratching Mm. in, like, an almost sexual fetishy way like i would be Mm -hmm. very like intrigued by it when it would when there would be like itching powder in cartoons and stuff um Mm -hmm. in a way that i now recognize is like similar to how i like my interest is piqued by kinks but like i i don't have that kink like that's definitely not a thing for me and like that even that interest in in media has not pursued into my adulthood so like Mm -hmm. i think that these things can like sometimes be a hint but sometimes they're just really random because kids brains are weird yeah absolutely and i like i think I don't know, the thing that comes to mind with the itching powder for me uh, is, like, out-of-control sensations, which kind of has become a thing for you. Exactly. So I would say, like, because, like you were talking about earlier, like, kids have, to some degree, sexualities, like, Mm -hmm. they are born with them, uh, and they look nothing like the ones in adulthood, right? Mm -hmm. Because those hormones hit, and puberty hit, and, like you were able to, like, that focus shifted into an adult and recognizable kind of kink thing. Or, you know, may have or may have just vanished and reappeared in another way, right? Yeah. Um, But no, but yeah, I I agree. I think that's interesting. I know I, like, a lot of my childhood play were, like, big elaborate adventures. um, (laughs) No surprise. Yeah. um, And, like some degree of struggle which was either a fist fight for funsies not like um that was often in like the imaginations and the stories i told and stuff i was not like that rowdy um but uh or just a particular like more abstract idea of struggle right mm-hmm. Um, somehow the, like, I was fighting the bad guy and somehow they had more power and, like, how, you know, that kind of thing. And Mm -hmm. that's definitely something that is extended in, like, a broad concept into the way that I play now. Yeah. Um, and I do think it's interesting to reflect on things like that, right? If this one theme is coming up a ton in the kind of media I consume and the kind of play I enjoy... Um, are there other ways your brain is also bringing up that same theme, right? Uh, am I very inclined to imagine myself as struggling against, you know, uh, in in situations with people who maybe are more on my side than I think, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so I do think it is worth 
recognizing the themes that you are drawn to in this, like, fun area where little matters, and make sure that you are not also acting them out in the places where things do matter. Because I think if you live a life that does not have a lot of play and does not give you a chance to play out these dynamics that you find fun and interesting and engaging, and, like, just stimulating to be in because you like the feeling uh they will just you will find places for them and rationalize incorporating them into your life in other ways and that's my own belief you may think i'm full of shit but that's no that's that's so real i've like got chills because because that so reminds me of something i went through with therapists extensively which is like i've my entire life been really drawn to like unrequited love dynamics like i loved Mm. them in like games of pretend i loved them in movies i really really loved like jim and pam like before when Mm -hmm. it was like will they won't they um and then you know it definitely has played out in my real life over like many 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 occasions of me like being really into someone who was unavailable whether it's because it was a gay man or it was just like someone who wasn't into me or whatever mm-hmm. and in working through this with therapists like I've kind of come to the realization that I think a lot of this has to do with like fear of rejection because like if I pre-reject myself by like being into someone who I know mm-hmm. for a fact is going to reject me then like I don't have to worry about like actually putting my heart on the line in a real way Mm -hmm. so i feel like that interest has like a little bit dissipated now that i'm feeling a little bit more mentally healthy but like that's a very real thing no and there are certainly times where you're i think you're you know you'll recognize those patterns and be like oh i don't need this i can just (laughs) i i don't need this in my life but i do also think that sometimes you might look at those patterns and be like oh hey here's this bad feeling that i like kind of enjoy sometimes yeah and i'm creating it in really not great ways yeah like you so like pretend that's happening right Right. like find ways to create that feeling for yourself in a little box of safety that you have uh thought out and and climbed into with intention yeah instead of just playing out the kind of dynamics because i i mean i I, this ain't science. I'm, I'm. This is my own theories on reality. I'm talking out of my ass here, but I really feel like there are certain things, like, there are certain feelings that our brain just craves, just needs to feel sometimes. Yeah. And, like, it. they may not be the same for all of us, right? There are certain states that we need to be in, and we need to experience a variety of sensations, and if you spend all day with your brain on a leash, forcing it into the ones that... <laughs> are the most effective for you, it, like, your brain's not gonna play along. Eventually it's gonna start lashing out in its own ways. Yeah, this is exactly why I think kink is important on, like, a societal level, and yeah. I feel like people don't take me seriously when <laughs> I say that, but, like, I, there's so many dangerous and unhealthy and harmful impulses that can be, like, harnessed, and <laughs> I just pictured a harness as I said that. <laughs> um, and, and channeled into kink. Uh, and, like, one way I was thinking about um, while you were saying that was, like, I've kind of channeled the um, unrequited love obsession into some of my, like, sort of erotic fantasies. And, like, I, I'm really into this genre of porn. The site is called Fuck the Geek. And it's, like, <laughs> yes. really geeky, nerdy, kind of, like, quote-unquote loser guys who, like, through a series of weird circumstances end up hooking up with, like, an extremely hot woman. Mm-hmm. And, like, often these clips are, like, the woman is, like, kind of not into it and it's like, kind of making disparaging comments the whole time and stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, and there's something to that for me where I identify with the dude and I'm, like, I'm just drawn for some reason to the feeling of, like, worshipping someone who is out of my league, even though in real life that is so painful for me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's yeah, pretty I, <laughs> Yeah, but, like... Okay, here's the other thing, though. Like, yeah, maybe that's indicative of experiences and trauma and all kinds of things that have come together to make you who you are. Mm -hmm. And yeah, maybe if you had all of the time in the world, you could sit down and unpack all of that. Yeah, and all the money in the world to spend on therapy and treatment. Right, exactly. But here's the thing that, like, I feel like I didn't recognize when I started on my path of like self-development and like social justice and introspection and everything like i didn't fully grasp how much time is a part of that equation yeah 
Like, you need to just think through things. And, like, the chemicals in your body on, like, a physical level are gonna be different in different times. If you are agitated about something, you have a very different chemical makeup than when you have come down and relaxed and reflected on it. And you're going to think about that thing very differently, and your brain's gonna operate in very different ways. Mm -hmm. Um... Yeah, I think, like, practicing new neural pathways is, like, a big mm-hmm. part of that process. Like, you can't just snap your fingers and learn to forgive yourself for things you've done in the past or, or mm-hmm. like, release your childhood trauma. And, like, I think the point that you were trying to get to there, uh, not to take the words out of your mouth, but, like, yeah. um, that if, if you aren't at that point yet where you've solved all your traumas and all your bad ideas, like you can, you can use kink to work through them in the moment and to kind of play with them while you have them. And that's healthier than just like enacting them on the world constantly. Yeah, exactly. That like, you can, you may not have the time to unpack it, but you can create a corner of your life where you can enact those things Mm-hmm. And you can put the barriers around it to keep yourself safe. And you can think critically about the ways you engage with those feelings. And yeah, maybe 10 years from now, when I get to, when I get past all of the other stuff that is actively impacting my life, I'll address that. And maybe it won't be a kink for 40-year-old me. But you know what? 20-year-old <laughs> me is fine at, with putting all of that possibly harmful energy into me coming (laughs) and focusing on the shit that is actively impacting my life and relationships right now you know you can't i i can recognize things in myself that are maybe not great and i i just don't have the time to fix all of them yeah this is how i feel about the whole like daddy issues thing yeah, because uh, when I started talking more often about like daddy dom little girl role play, I would get a lot of like you just have daddy issues. You're just like traumatized and and like okay, yes and yes, <laughs> both true. Um, and <laughs> kink is uh, a fun and healthy and not harmful, in my opinion, and in the opinion of my therapist, uh, way of dealing with that or working through that or even just like uh, having fun with that. Like it doesn't always have to be this like productive cathartic thing it can just be play like we're talking about yeah like yeah i sure uh well i have more mommy issues than and daddy issues but for the sake of the joke sure i have daddy issues i also have curly hair my dad gave me both of them i i'm not gonna spend time getting rid of either of them i'm gonna do the smartest thing i can with what i have you know like, I'm not going to go out. I, I straightened my hair every morning for a while. It was exhausting. I'm not going to do that anymore. I'm going to style my hair in a way that works for curly hair. Yeah. And I'm going to fucking style my life in a way that works for a brain with hella daddy issues. Yeah. <laughs> you could say that you're not going to flat iron your kinks anymore. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> One thing I wanted to touch on is I was curious if, because we're talking about how important this uh, feeling and time is for us, if you've ever noticed yourself need feeling like you needed to play. Um, I'm thinking like feeling like you need a drink of water or feeling like you need, you know, something to eat or whatever, if you've ever felt particularly drawn to that feeling and if you recognize what that looks like in you. Yeah, I think for me, that feeling is where you kind of hit a wall with anxiety or stress or whatever, and you just can't mm. stop thinking about it. Like, mm. I, I am just like thinking about a problem that I have and and thinking through possible solutions. And it's like my brain's a broken record. Like, it just mm. won't stop. And that's a point where I know I need to stop and like do something else, whether it's play or just like a different task, because I mean, especially if you're like getting into that sort of nervous system state of agitation that we were talking about, like you're really not going to solve the problem that way. Um, That's not ever where like great ideas come from in my experience. So that for me is like both in order to solve the problem of stressing me out and also just in order to solve the problem of like, I feel terrible. That's where I Mm want to go do some play of some kind. Yeah. I think I feel similarly for me. Um, an analogy that feels very apt for me in those moments is, uh, I used this earlier, but it feels like I have had my brain on a leash for too long Mm -hmm. and I just need to like set aside a block of time where I'm just going to do whatever feels interesting. Um, and that's a very ADHD thing for me. Cause it's like, Oh, I'm just gonna 
half do this project and then half do this other one. And maybe I'll come back to that one or maybe not. Who knows? And then, you know, whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and have that like free ro- uh, free roam. So for me, it, it feels almost like I've had a mental straitjacket on and I don't know necessarily the language for that or, or like blinders or like, um, someone is just literally sitting next to me and just like, anytime I look away, be like, no focus, no focus. (laughs) Um, which is also sometimes how meds feel, but that's a whole other thing. Um, (laughs) but I, so I recognize that I, that for me is a very big feeling when I'm starting to get like agitated and like prickly around that. Um, or I find myself like very low energy, like mm-hmm. any like anytime anything happens, I'm like I'm just I'm t- I'm just tired. I'm just like emotionally tired. I'm just like I'm tired of thinking about this. I don't I don't I don't know what your problem is. I don't care. I don't like <laughs> yeah. very much in this place of just like I just. I recognize that, like, normal me would be invested or excited or concerned. I don't care. I'm tired. <laughs> um, and when I get in that place uh, is another time where I'm very much like, oh, you need to set aside a couple of blocks of time, like, a block of time where you're not allowed to do anything, mm-hmm. pro- like, off of your to-do list or productive, or you are allowed to do whatever feels like it feels good in that particular moment. Yeah, I have um, two pinched nerves in my mm. elbows right now from Fun. playing too many video games. Uh, thanks, quarantine. Great. So I have been not playing video games for like, mm-hmm. I don't know, a couple days. And uh, I'm feeling it. Like, I, <laughs> I feel myself getting more stressed out. Um, even though, like, I'm still doing the other kind of like leisure activities that I like to mm-hmm. do. Like, I've, I've been reading instead. But... It's not the same thing as like yeah. taking action and exploring and being creative and all of the stuff that we've been talking about. And uh, I, maybe, I sh- maybe the moral of the story is I should just like be fucking more. I don't know. Maybe. I mean, I do. I do think. Uh, I don't. Know, I. I think it's interesting that in adulthood we kind of conflate leisure and play. Uh, mm. And interestingly, leisure is a thing that is much e- much more easily sold to us than play is. Yeah, that's um, true. <laughs> you can, you know, um, but that's a whole other thing. Um, I'm so on that note. Anyway, again, but this is a sex podcast, not an anti-capitalist <laughs> podcast. Let's well. talk about fucking. Um, <laughs> Why not both, though? Uh, I'm curious, uh, yes, uh, I'm curious if you have any ideas of ways that you can incorporate more play into the kink and sex you're having right now to maybe compensate for when you can't have Pokemon, and that's not a sentence I thought I'd ever say. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, um, I think, uh, I mean, my brain always goes right to improv, but I think a fun way to do this is, like, do a set up a role play scenario where it's you just like set the very bare bones of the scenario like maybe it's a teacher student and you know that there's going to be a spanking but you don't know what you're in trouble for or like where the spanking is going to take place or like what implement whatever pull like, the audience right <laughs> right can, can i get a suggestion for a non-geographical location where a spanking might occur um but yeah, I think that that's really fun because that really kicks your brain into the creative mode. Like a problem that people run into with this though is feeling like uh, feeling silly or feeling like they don't know what to say. Mm-hmm. Um, in which case, like first of all, take an improv class, and secondly, um, what is my advice for this? Uh, well, third of all, you're gonna feel silly. Like yeah, and that's so- fine. You're scared it's gonna happen. Yeah, it's gonna happen. Like sorry, <laughs> um, yeah. and I think the first step is accepting that. Yeah, that's part of it. Another thing that's fun to do that's playful is, like, some kind of challenge um, Mm -hmm. with a goal, but, like, kind of an open-ended goal. Like, let's see how quick you can get me off or um, let's see how many toys we can use in one session, like that kind of thing. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think it's better to be open-ended rather than being, like, I challenge you to get me off in 90 seconds or less or whatever, because it's not fun to feel like you've failed at a thing. And I think it can kind of tamp down on the, the feeling of playfulness that you're trying to get to. 
I really enjoy doing that uh, and setting up so both like the pass and fail conditions are fun. So whether I win or lose, something fun and interesting is going to happen. Mm-hmm. But whether I win or lose matters. Um, right. Because I think that is an important line that you have to hit, right? Um, or at least I have to hit for my <laughs> own personal brain to keep it engaged. Um, yeah. There does have to be a challenge to it. And maybe I'm like rooting for one outcome. But we'll be excited about the other one if I get there, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so being able to um, build rule, you know, a, a good rule structure, for mm-hmm. I guess lack of a better term, um, that sets the game up to be fun. You want to set yourself up for success. Yeah. Yeah. I know we did have one person write in about uh, kinky D&D, which I want mm-hmm. to hear so much more about and certainly seems relevant on this. Yeah, so I put out a call for listener questions. A couple of them we've like already kind of addressed. Um, mm-hmm. One of them was about kink as a de-stressor, and we did just very recently do an episode about uh, stress and sex, which I would recommend. I like that mm-hmm. one. But uh, someone mentioned erotic Dungeons and Dragons, and I had like sort of heard about this, but had never like really looked into it. Can I share with you my research that I, yes. that I found? Okay, so someone wrote a book that's like an add-on to yes. the original D&D text. It's great. It's, it's called The Book of Erotic Fantasy. Uh, and I read like a summary of the contents of the book on mm-hmm. like a D&D wiki or something. Um, you can be a sex sorcerer. Uh-huh. <laughs> a sex wizard, which is called a tantrist, which is interesting because <laughs> I don't know that the sex wizard community or the tantra community would really be that into that conflation. But <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Uh, you can also be a sex monk. You can be a sacred sex worker. They actually used a more derogatory term there, but I changed it. Uh, I love that you can be a voyeuristic seer. That one cracked me up. Nice. Like that. Uh, dominator, some other stuff. Uh, uh-huh. An interesting thing is that they have a new skill, which is called appearance, uh, which I guess like affects how people interact with you vis-a-vis attraction. But uh, interestingly, appearance, the skill, is not related to charisma, which mm. I think is really cool because we all know people in real life who have a lot of one and not the other or like Uh you know combinations thereof and like i do think in many ways they don't have to be related at all yeah yeah there's also a a sexual technique skill that falls under performance and um my favorite is there's apparently a mechanic called cursed orgasm i don't know anything (laughs) about it but i know that it sounds cool (laughs) yes um i have read parts of that book back in the day but it's been a minute um i think well so i adore it but that is unsurprising to that is surprising to absolutely no one yeah um i think a very common reaction to this is that you're taking all of the fun out of it or why would you have the rules or like you know the when you think of uh similarly to high protocol right when you think of mixing sex and like systems like this <laughs> um people are like why like sex is only fun if it's spontaneous which i would say is more indicative of your failure to be able to talk about it when you don't have a heart on but <laughs> That's just me. Um, (laughs) Devastating. It's only fun when I'm actively horny. That's because it's actively uncomfortable any other time. Um, Address that. Work on that. Think about that. (laughs) Just to consider. Um, (laughs) But for me, I think what is so engaging about all of that is because rules almost bring that unexpected spontaneity back into it. Mm -hmm. Uh, They give you a reason that the first thing that comes to mind isn't your only option. Uh, They encourage you to think creatively, and they infuse that, you know, you can have an idea, and you can roll a die and roll a one, And, like, the most (laughs) ass-backwards shit can happen. And you have to come up with a new solution, which is a very real and practical thing and is a skill, again, our brains really need to, like, practice and engage with. Mm -hmm. Um, and, And for me, that's what's so fun about infusing these, like, 
extra rule systems or these things slightly out of my control Mm -hmm. is because sometimes something will happen in a way I couldn't have made up uh, and wouldn't have wanted to, but I guess I find a solution now. And then I get to feel like a badass when I do. Yeah. Like the feeling of overcoming something you didn't feel prepared for is its own particular joy. Yeah. Being a brave adventurer. Yeah. I, I, I think it's worth pointing out that like in my research, I did see how the erotic D and D thing could be a double edged sword. Like there was a Reddit mm-hmm. thread where people were sharing stories about, DMs using these mechanics to guide their party into their own fetishes and kinks in like mm. a really like non-consenty mm-hmm. coercive weird way. Um, yeah. But I couldn't help thinking about like what if you got together your polycule or like friends who you're chill doing sex stuff with or just friends who you're chill talking about sex with uh, and playing a D&D campaign with some erotic elements because like I think it's um, depending on the vibe it could be like a fun like foreplay thing like getting you rubbed Mm -hmm. up for sex things later or it could just be a thought-provoking situation where like you get to learn more about the sex brains of people who you maybe don't know that much about that part of their lives Mm -hmm. um i think it's like much like spin the bottle or something like you really got to have the right crowd and the right vibe (laughs) but i think it could be very fun well a thing i did also always find a little appealing about that book is that i think for you and I, this is uh, a thing we encounter a lot. Like, for us and many people in our community, sex is just one of the many things we do with our lives and talk about sometimes and engage with, uh, Mm -hmm. and it is a core piece of our identity, um, sex and kink and and gender and all of that, and it influences everything we do, like our relationship to those things. Mm -hmm. Um, And it's not always sexual, Like, it's not always actively making me horny, but it is always a part of my life. Uh, So I liked the way that that book kind of allows you, like, you know, D&D and other tabletop games are life sims, right? Mm -hmm. And, And it always seemed weird to me to not engage with a huge part of human life or orc life or elf life or halfling life, you know, (laughs) depends. Yeah. Um, But it, you know, it's a thing, it's a thing we encounter. So I also like the idea of playing a D and D campaign that just your characters are also sexual because Mm -hmm. people are also sexual. Yeah. And just explore what that does to your humanity. Yeah. And you can use your dice in creative sexual ways also. Mm -hmm. Like, there's an episode of the Big Bang Theory where they do this. Like, they use the role of the dice to decide what's going to happen next in the sex they're having. Um, (laughs) Which I think works very well for a certain type of brain. Like, somebody with Mm -hmm. executive function uh, dysfunction, perhaps, or somebody who, uh, as we were talking about, like, kind of knows what they want but isn't feeling uh, open enough to being vulnerable to, like, actually talk about it. Mm -hmm. Um, So it introduces that element of, like, well, I didn't choose it. The dice chose it. Uh, oh which god, which is also <laughs> such a fun dummy energy. I'm sorry, you said it and I just yeah. imagined a dominant being like, oh, I have to hit you this many times. Oh gosh. Oh darn. Oh well. Sorry. <laughs> just my kink brain took over. <laughs> yeah, are dice the ultimate sex toy? <laughs> That's my next oh, god. piece. <laughs> Tell, I feel like this is a big galaxy brain thing, right? Like, yeah. you know, starting out in the sex industry, like, ooh, fun bachelorette games, and then sex dice are stupid, and then you get back to where we are, and we're like, D20s are the best. Yeah, I, I looped all the way back around. <laughs> wow, well, you know what they say, live and let die. <laughs> Yeah, well, I think it's time to wrap it up. Yeah, we can just end it there. That's good. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Uh, Thank you for joining us for this very philosophical, meandering episode of The Dildos. Sorry, this is what happens when y'all put me in charge. No, don't apologize. It was great. You took us on a journey. (laughs) Let's talk about weird shit. Yeah. Maybe one day soon we'll talk about dicks again. Who knows? Oh, I mean, there's always just an undercurrent of dicks on this show. (laughs) I was trying to think of like what erotic D&D would stand for and my brain just went dicks and dildos and I was like that's really kind of reductive like that's really just me talking about what I like. (laughs)
<laughs> if you think of a better one, feel free to let us know. I mean, I think like dungeons and dildos is like pretty good, but I'll have to yeah. think more on that. Um, I've been Kate Sloan. Uh, I write a blog at girlyjuice.net. I also write a newsletter at katesloan.substack.com. It's called Submissives, and it's uh, pretty, like, intimate, personal kind of diary entry style things about just, like, shit I'm thinking about, about sex and kink and relationships. I'm Bex. I'm a sex educator and once upon a time was a sex blogger at BexTalkSex.com. Maybe one day I'll write again. Who the fuck knows? <laughs> you can also find me on Twitter and Instagram at BexTalkSex. Together we're the Dildorks. We're at thedildorks.com and at Twitter on Twitter at... We are on the internet at the Dildorks. You'll find us. Uh, <laughs> you got here. We trust you. <laughs> um... You can also support us by going to patreon.com slash the dildorks. That link you do need to know because Patreon's weird about adult content. When you go there, you can toss a couple of bucks our way. You can also see our hypotheticals, which is where we get real high and answer. The, uh, once upon a time were hypothetical questions. Now we just talk about weird sex stuff and recommend yeah. media at each other. It's they're fun. Just, it's a great time. sort of monstrous sex situations that we just chat through while really fucked up it's it's good yeah i do always find we're halfway through recording them and i'm like i'm high so i'm just talking to my best friend and i'm like oh this is going on the internet at some point well so like <laughs> if you want to learn some shit about us i'll like i've gotten halfway through recordings and been like wait are we recording a podcast is this, is this a show what is this show what are we what are we i'm just yeah. with my best friend i don't know um, so if you want that messy experience, head over there. We just recorded some new ones, and I'm going to be editing them probably right after this. Sweet. I look forward to hearing uh, what weird shit we said. <laughs> yeah, you always forget. I always forget. <laughs> um, I want to shout out a couple of organizations that could use your dollars if you have extra ones uh, to throw around. One of them is the Trans Justice Funding Project, which is at transjusticefundingproject.org. They give grants to grassroots trans justice groups run by and for trans people. And every penny they raise goes towards their grantees with no restrictions and no strings attached because they believe in trans leadership. And so do we. Yes, we uh, do. I also want to shout out Survived and Punished, which is at survivedandpunished.org. They are a prison abolitionist organization that also aims to abolish gender-based violence. They work to get incarcerated survivors of domestic and sexual violence out of prison, in part by providing them with legal support. So that is pretty awesome. I also want to say thank you to Protodome, who did our wonderful theme song that I love listening to every week. And thank you to Amy, who did our logo. And thank you to you for listening. Until next time, folks, get out there and live your sexy, dorky life. Bye. Bye. I guess I said get out there again. I don't know. Yeah, do you want to take it again? I haven't stopped yet. Nah, they're reopening the economy. <laughs> <laughs>